0: what I say to like young entrepreneurs picking where they want to give back is make sure it's like authentic I think that you can implement a cause that really means something to you and I think we all have things that affect us and we want to make change
1: welcome to an all-new season of off the gram
0: the show where we bring you straight
1: into the trenches with us to help you live your best life channel your inner girl boss and navigate the ever-changing landscapes of wellness and social media hey Jane Hey
2: girl. Hey. Well, today's episode is super special for me because our guest is someone I've adored and run in the same circles with since my days in the New York City PR world back in my twenties and thirties. Stacey Eagle is the founder and creative director of boy meets girl, the edgy contemporary athleisure wear brand known for making a global impact as a mission driven lifestyle unisex brand. Her signature double silhouette logo, if you know, you know, or go out. Go and check out her site if you're curious. It's very cool. Has been seen in partnerships ranging from Bergdorf Goodman to Saks Fifth Avenue, from Paris's Colette to Target and beyond. Stacey collaborates with musical artists and athletes and activists to make an impact. Boy Meets Girl has been featured in Elle, Cosmo, Teen Vogue, The New York Times, and more. Stacey co-hosted the Forbes-featured podcast, Mom's Got This. She's a lecturer and panelist on social media. She does philanthropy, branding, entrepreneurship, And she just authored her first book, Embracing the Calm and the Chaos, How to Find Success in Business and Life Through Perseverance, Connection, and Collaboration. Listen to this show if you want to learn the art of turning
1: chaos into opportunity, you're interested in achieving success on your own terms, or you're eager to discover the secret sauce for building a purpose-driven brand.
0: Hey, Stacey. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. I feel like we've been talking about doing the podcast for like three years. I wanted you on my podcast three years ago. Then I'm not doing my podcast right now. But um, so now I'm on your podcast. So thank you guys for having me. It's really special. And I'm excited to chat with you and yeah, see you. Yeah, I'm so excited.
2: I, I'm, yeah, and see each other. This is fun, too. I mean, the the wonders of modern media, like being able to at least be on the screen together. Because our New York City days together and kind of our shared social circles Back before, make this reconnection even more special. So, I really love that we're having the opportunity to connect and share your story. So, speaking of kind of going back to the beginning, I think that's always a good place to start. So, can you take us back to how and more importantly, why did you start in fashion? Because you, unlike most people that I know, did it in an entirely different way, you know, making it more of a mission based business. I feel like you did it before it was trendy actually. I
0: would think so because <laughs> it's, it's been 21 years <laughs> um, so I hope so yes uh so let's take me back I'm from Chicago and moved to New York in 1999. So gives you my age, do the math. And I was, my mother was a physician assistant and she was a creator of a lumbar support called the Back Machine. So she developed uh, this lumbar support through finding out people have back pain, being a physician assistant, and went to... Taiwan when no one was going there and would make her product and brought back charm necklaces and erasers and canteens that we got like spray paint with Hello Kitty and all these different trinkets. So this is like, you know, I'm three, four, five, six, this is happening. And I'm also going at like attending trade shows with her um, to sell lumbar support that was one price point, one colorway, one style member, not the fashion industry at all. So, like, cut to a thousand style numbers, a thousand price points, and a thousand colorways. Um, so, you know, watching this female, woman, badass entrepreneur and mom inspired me, I think, to have that entrepreneur spirit. And those items that she brought back, I would take Polaroid cameras because back then we did not have our devices and make little catalogs and bring those catalogs to school and sell the products she brought back, like charm necklaces and things like that to my friends. So I was like, you know, already in it. And then the the whole piece of like giving back and having that like surrounded in my life was, I grew up putting, it's called Sadaka boxes. I don't know if you guys know it, but it's in the Jewish religion, or Judaism, there's these boxes for charity. And Sadak means um, really like, give back and, you know, being righteous and doing good things. So we would have to put money in there and think about what we wanted to give back to when we were younger, me and my sister. And so that was really like ingrained in me that like, I would raise money for animals, you know, that I wanted to get or you know, for the shelter, it pushed it for me to like really think about. What I wanted to do and give back, and so when you're younger, you don't really know all about these different nonprofits, and so that sort of like gives you like the background. But then I wasn't interested in in the medical field. I was always like really interested in fashion, and from vintage shopping in Chicago, um, my mom was a vintage shopper. Like she loved like Donna Karen, Norma Kamali, um, all the great like you know iconic women designers and so we would get like old Norma Kamali sweatsuit outfits and the dresses she had in Spiegel and Donna Karen it was just like you know very cool to go shopping with her and learning about it and so when I was like I think it was fifth, sixth grade, we would go to Vogue Fabric in Chicago, which is in the Water Tower place. I grew up downtown and get fabrics. And I started to make my own items and with the patterns that we got there, but hand sewed them. And one of the first skirts I wore or that I made, I wore to my sixth grade new school. It was a houndstooth skirt that I still have. I've just recently done some reels and TikToks to show it um, and wore that to school. And it was jagged and it wasn't greatly sewn, but I was, I remember my mom was like, you know, just, you spent hours on this. Like you, you love it, wear it, own it, like believe in it and believe in yourself. And so I wore that and I believed in myself. I think a lot of people are like, who is this new girl with that houndstooth skirt? That's Shagged Edge. Mm-hmm. But those, like, eventually those girls became, like, my friends came to my house and I dressed them and styled them and they, like, knew who I was, right? Like, I was confident in what I did. Um, and so that's sort of my background of, like, the beginning of it. And then from that day forward, which you'll see in my book, um, I haven't stopped working. So, like, I... Started interning at the Merchandise Mart to learn about sales. I worked at the Gap when I was younger. I worked at a place called Foxes. I was in retail, like leading up to my college years. Um, worked in retail, University of Wisconsin. Started sewing like all my products there, um, selling off my back in college to my friends on spring break. Like so, it just just continued. Um, and then I st- I triple majored and did design. Uh, retail and business in Wisconsin at Wisconsin so I it was just I I was always on this I was like surrounded by do good you can fulfill your dream if you work really really hard and like I was never pulled away from following my dream of what I wanted to do uh however you know my parents were very much like also get a business certificate or go to business school because I you can't just sketch or you can't just sew. Um, and I think because I was surrounded by an entrepreneur who had started the business and also was in the medical world, but like, you know, I had seen her doing that piece of it and that within being a fashion designer, it's not easy because there's, it's a business if you're going to own it. So that's how I chose the major. Um, and so I'm just giving you my whole story, but like sort yeah, of yeah.
2: And, you know, I'm going to jump in, if you don't mind, because I it brought up a couple of things. And and Heidi and I are very intentionally, by the way, and I'm going to, like, say this out loud. So we kind of – Heidi and I, like, really intentionally as we walk into 2023 want to, like, be a little less tied to our script. And if things really come up for us, like, I want all of us to jump in and say them because I'm so – I'm listening to this. And I'm – first of all, I had this beautiful vision of you, this little confident girl in your hound's tooth skirt It literally is bringing me tears to my eyes because um, I remember me – At that age, and I would not have had that confidence to walk in with a hound's tooth skirt on and be be like, I own this. Like I worked hard on this and it might not be perfect, but it's mine. And I think that's a very powerful vision you just gave us. But it sounds to me like it came from your mother. I was going to say the women in your life, but really your mother. Um, although also I must say that like having the just the, the inspiration of the Donna Karens and the Norma Kamalis, I used to work with Norma. I was her publicist on some campaigns. Girl, let me tell you something. But like, here's the thing about Norma and about you, when you talk about these women in fashion and, and this, we're going to get into this because I know this is like where Heidi's going with her question. So we can get there because I, <laughs> this is like what the book's about, right? My point is like, when we talk about women in fashion, in business, you either get eaten up by the industry or... Or you love it so much that you dig down deep and you find that tenacity. And the, what I loved about Norma is here she is at like I don't want to age her, but I, I don't want to say her exact age because I'm not sure. But she's like you know in her like seventies, yeah. the most fabulous. Go- we interviewed her, Heidi, right? We, we did, did she was girl- one of
1: our first sh- one of our first ten shows. Oh my yeah, Norma yeah. Listen to her. We know that. Yeah, yeah. And she told us she found her soulmate at some like.
0: It was it 60?
2: It was 60 something. So, yeah. he's yeah. incredible. But my point yeah. is, is that she lives, eats and breathes this in a way where she just loves women. She loves dressing women. She loves seeing women be confident and powerful and stepping into their truth and not being objectified, but feeling fabulous, but owning the shit out of that. And everything about her is her brand. And that's very much what I've always known you to be. And it's what I'm hearing right now. But what I'm hearing is it didn't just start when I met you, you know, in your twenties, it started in your, like when you were five.
0: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You talk about your, ha- your cup is half full or empty or um, positive poly, right? And the thing is, is that there's so many negative things that are going around you. And even when I was younger, like, I feel like my mom mostly was like, just keep moving, right? And my dad, they're like, you know, you, you'll get over this. And, and it, it's easy to say that, but it's actually when you are – creating the actions to do it and how and similar to like why the book is called Embracing the Calm and the Chaos, I embraced a lot of crap, right? In the 20 years of owning a business. And how do you get through that? And so positivity like was around me when negative things would happen. Whether it's a friend who's not nice to you, a group of girls who say X about you, like when you're growing up, I still had like the support of a sister and a mom and a dad who, who really like walked through, well, that's going to happen. And then you're going to move on from it, you know, and, and how does, how do you relate to that when those things are happening and how do you, you still are going to cry and go through the emotions, but something happened that I was really working hard towards for this book launch, which will, I will let you guys know in like a week, but for an event to do in the city and I just was like putting out in the universe like to my Twitter family to my Facebook family to my Instagram family you know this whole social media world now that we have that I didn't have in the beginning of Boy Meets Girl for the first 10 years like let's put up this positive affirmation like the sprinkles the unicorns like the bullshit but let's do it and like but because I truly believe if you maintain that positivity positivity, you'll get to that place. And a lot of times, there's going to be no's, like, two of like a few things that I wanted for something this to happen. You know, one person didn't get back to me. I'm like 20 plus years in business. And that person didn't get back to me. I didn't get an email back from that person. What the fuck, right? But then like, you put it out there of like, this is something you want to do. And you really write it down, you think about it. And like you pray for it and you believe in it and you talk to the people and and if it doesn't work out there's something else along the line that will. So so getting back to the beginnings of my life like I it was you worked hard on this, own it, wear it. Right? I love that and so
1: much Stacy. Like it's amazing and I, I actually keyed into that the first time you said it too just like Jamie did. So there's something really big with that statement. And what occurred to me when you said it was that it doesn't just relate to the Norma Kamali's or the U's or any, you know, any fashion designer. It really can relate to any business owner. You've put, you've sown your seeds, you put so much work into it. So if you're not blasting that message out to the world, like, what's the point? Like, why did you do it in the first place? Don't you believe in yourself, you know, or, but also that you had like those key support people. That also is such a huge message. You don't need 900 yes people. You need, like, a few.
0: You need, I mean, it, it relates to, like, any kind of, you know, a mentor, even if it's one person, whether it's in your business or not, who you can bounce off ideas to. But especially in building something from scratch, no family in the fashion business in New York City, you... You need support because it's lonely. and the support as the book ha- in my book has you know 30 plus people from different industries who are true friends, who I, p- who I picked up the phone and, or I emailed and said, "I'd love to get a quote for you from you in the book." And within one second, everybody email, their text it back. So let's and talk about was, the book. <laughs> I about. I mean, relationships to me are so like key to supporting any entrepreneur. Right. And like yeah. those people who have supported you, believed in you, walked with you, worked with you, you know, just like that's like led me through. I love it. All so, right. yeah. so we've been yeah. dancing around the book a lot. Book. <laughs> I can't, I can't read there because I, I know it's a podcast and a brown film. So I'm like, oh, dear, don't you
1: see it? <laughs> I, Jamie, before you got on, I was like, that is the best book placement I've ever seen.
2: Right. But you can't see it. It's right over her shoulder. It looks like it's like a little angel sitting on her shoulder.
1: It's perfect. It's it's like, it's almost like it's Photoshopped in. Your elf on a shelf or shelf. Yes. <laughs> yes. Totally. Okay. So let's talk your book what sparked the idea for Embracing the Calm and the Chaos? Was there like a single spark that told you in your mind, I need to write this all down and share it? Was it over time? Like, how did it come to be?
0: Yes. Um, so seven years ago, I wanted to write this book. Or was it eight years ago? It might be eight years ago. I think it's before Dylan was born. And I sat down with my ghostwriter, who is my ghostwriter on this book, Emily Liebert. Um, And I said, I want to write my book. Here's my story. And she said, you need and again, what she recommended to me is not the formula for other people, but it's I know what I wanted for me. So just to put that out there, she's like, you need an agent. And then you need to, you know, write the book proposal and then week in rock and roll, or we'll write the book proposal together. So I'm like, ooh, I need an agent. I need to write a book proposal. <laughs> like, ah. And then I'm like, and seven years went like went by because I was doing, like, seven or ten New York Fashion Week shows. I was flying around the country. I was going to, you know, opening up things in Finland and London and Paris. And I was like, how am I going to do that, right? So I just escaped. Like, it sort of went away. And But I always journal. So I've journaled like my whole life since I was eight. I have a little cute journal over here with hearts on it that talks about like my friends and stuff and the boys I like. But uh, so um, uh-huh. I always journal. Journaling helped me throughout building my career, because that was my therapy. I didn't make time for therapy, which I probably should have. But like, that's my like, on the train, uh, you know, on the bus, on my way to Union City, New Jersey, where I built the studio, like on a napkin with ideas, like, um, then we get to like our Google Docs and our Evernotes. And like, we have computers to put our stuff in. So it's like journals everywhere. A lot of times, like talking to myself, like, you know, you can get through this, you're going to get that deal. Like, you know, I, this partner sucks. This is what he did. Like, you know, all that stuff was, it's all in there. And so COVID hit and I wasn't doing 20 trade shows a year. I wasn't flying around the country. I wasn't going to the garment center. I wasn't going to union city or New Jersey, you know, whatever the hustle of our lives was. And because we were, I believe all of us were fortunate that we weren't first first time responders or had to be on the ground floor. And so I was in a privileged situation where I could be home with my child and homeschool and run a business. So I'm like, time to write the book. <laughs> like what? So that's add another thing to my plate. So I, to chaos. Wrote to, chaos, right. so I wrote to Emily, I guess she said it was like seven years to that day. Um, and she was like, you need an agent. <laughs> <laughs> then you needed to write the proposal, but she's like, but I'm, I'm on board. And so I said, okay, help me find an agent. Cause I, you know, 20 years of building something. I'm like, I've, I got, you open my book, you circle, you underline, you know, everybody in my universe. I'm giving it to you. And like, enjoy it. I'll go into Hawaii, live my my next life. (laughs) Like it is there for you to learn. And, but I was like, I don't know literary agents (laughs) like (laughs) help me. So she introduced me or she went to hers and it wasn't in her genre. And she introduced me on a zoom to who is now my literary agent, Kirsten Newhouse, who is Trevor Noah's agent and Damon John and Jeanette McCurdy. And she fucking rocks and believed in me. And she's like, this is a story I believe will be really impactful. It's a woman led company. You know, you've been doing impact for all since the beginning, like you said, Jamie, like before it was a trend. And I feel like that's what, um, you know, the publishing world will be looking for now. And she was right. Like, so I, I, you know, she, I hired her, we started writing the proposal. I took, you know, all the journal entries. And then I thought, I've always thought, like, I wanted to share, you know, I had a podcast for three years called Mom's Got This, where it was my community, Michelle Park's community of bringing on Entrepreneur moms, you know, who are doing a lot of things and how they get by. So I always knew that within my book, I would want to share the stories of my colleagues in the business, or musicians, actresses, um, nonprofits, the whole shebang. So we put that together, and then I went on the Zoom (laughs) interviews with publishing houses (laughs) because it's all still COVID time. And Harper Collins is my publisher, so that is like a very short version of a 20 plus career of building something and that was like the smoothest working relationship i've ever had from like do sell done um but you know with all of that comes this next part of the next you know phase of what it takes to get the book out into the universe right So let's talk about that a little bit, because
2: I think what we'd really love to draw out and what I think would be the most helpful to our listeners is some of what's in the book. Like, what are the nuggets that people in any industry, whether they're in fashion, whether they're in business, whether they're mompreneurs, whether they have a big idea, a vision, a dream, what they can take from it. And one of the themes that I kind of identified with that I was, as I was reading through um, the crux of the book was authenticity and knowing you personally, I know that it's obviously a big theme in your life and it's a big theme in this book. So can you give us your take on why being real is so important in business and in life?
0: Yes. I mean, I think that, so I think there's a lot of like books out there that sort of don't are not vulnerable and don't share, how you can get there and, and sometimes it's scrappy and sometimes it's really hard and sometimes it's great and to me the, the book is there for you know to, to be real and I'm and the most vulnerable I've ever been like I haven't shared a lot of these stories you know it's really hard to like someone read it and was like, Oh my God, I didn't know you'd share all that. And there's a lot that isn't in there that like was edited down about IVF journey, things like that. But you hear it in a question that I asked Claudine later on in the end of the book. Um, But you know, to me, For any entrepreneur, like you said, and I say this, it's like for any stage, it could be someone in it and someone who's 10 years out of business, who's coming back in a young college kid who wants to start a business, someone who's changing a job and wants to start their own franchise or business. So it's really for anybody and it's not just specific to fashion, although it's my memoir journey, but the takeaways are really like, how do you get by? How do you collaborate? What is the point of what you're doing and why is it going to resonate with someone legal? like ip is i one of the chapters is protecting your assets a s s e t s so ets <laughs> um so you know what happens as a young entrepreneur like why do you need IP? How can you find it for cheap? Why do you need a lawyer? Like, And people for people gonna... who
2: don't know, because not everyone knows that's intellectual property. So when you have an idea and you get really excited to share that idea and pitch that idea to somebody in business who you think might want to fund or buy or partner on that idea, and then they steal your idea, that's the first time you learn what
0: IP is, right? <laughs> that is the first time that you learn, yes. I mean, I, I had started protecting Boy Meets Girl, the name um, and the word and the logo in the beginning because my mom had a company and she had an intellectual property lawyer. But then the bill started to increase and I was like, I'm not making enough sales to cover my IP. So we've got to cut down on this. But I was already protecting early but the copiers come out and you'll read all about that in that chapter um and but yes so what are those tips that you can how do you make a you know a human resource manual for your employees and like you can google that and how do you find it and then get and then have the lawyer you know oversee it and make sure it's kosher for your your team so like these tips that like are for the new entrepreneur but then also like How do you, you know, managing employees and like you can be a manager for a top level CEO and there'll be tips in here that I think help you for, for your management skills. Not to say I'm, I, and I say this in the book, I'm not the best manager and I learned over time. Um, and so there's a lot of takeaways in terms of every phase of what you do in a business. If you're running a business or you're starting a business. And even if you're not in like going to take that leap to start a business, there's also takeaways for you in different skills. Like I have actresses and musicians who share their journeys and, what it takes to, and that's not, that's starting a business, but not like manufacturing and producing and shipping. That's their own, you know, solo business, right? brand. So how do you keep moving when it's, you constantly are faced with no, 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 no. And, you know, I work with, you know, a lot of activists and musicians who are the, just started in a genre in their space and always like being told that that would never work. And, and Jorena DeMarco is like on the rise and kicking it right now, but like her whole, Who like, Jarena DeMarco, who's in my book, she performed at um, my New York fashion week show with Yclef and Chris Cab in 2012. I think that was, <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> um, but Jarena, like, you know, when I first met her, you know, no, I put her on, you know, I showcased her music, but it's taken her 10 plus years since then to be now like the music for Target. And, and it's all Latinx, amazing, you know, just like she's a really powerhouse um, artist in the space and like leading it and always having women surround her. Like that's who she hires on her team. So it's just, you know, pushing, believing in your idea. And I think what I, have always been persistence persistent on is that why I set out to do what I did. And so I, I wanted to always be a fashion designer, but then the, when I first launched was nine 11. And so my trade show was pushed a week, I mean, a month later, and I was my first, I had left IZAD to to freelance design to, to do this first trade show got accepted into it. And You know, at that point, I was like, fashion? Like, no, I'm going to go down and help people and be part of New York City during this terrorist attack. And for me, I could have said, I'm never going to do this. Like, I just left my 401k job and like... uh, do I, maybe i go back to that. Like, why would I venture off on my own now? Right. And also this had happened to us and it sort of didn't make sense. And so then, you know, after a while I had already designed this collection, which had Americana ribbon on it, It had my Boy Meets Girl logo, like screen printed. I had like these vintage flowy, you know, it was like my first show. So it was like all these like things out of my head. And I decided like, I'm going to do this show and that those pieces will be donated to the American red cross from victims and families from nine 11. And I would push forward and that I would lead my career with that, with always doing, you know, raising money for causes that are important to our world. And so that's how I went forward with like what I ended up doing and what I've done for the past 20 years. But, you know, after that first show and launching which Virgil Goodman picked me up at that show which was ridiculously crazy as my mom was holding like clothes with me next to me and an, an FIT uh, model so that was very cool um but you know years later like you know People would be like, oh, like, why are you doing that for Give Back? Or like, you know, you're working with those people or your campaigns, like, you know, like didn't understand like all this work I was doing until as we you mentioned earlier, it's become much more in and vogue now. Well, it's your entire brand. Can you just tell people on the other side of this
2: podcast, of the other side of the, ear, the headphones, what you mean by that? Because if they don't know about Boy Meets Girl, what I know you to be is almost mission first, you know, fashion second, uh, both yeah. are important, but you work with impoverished communities. You work with causes, you know, whether it's a racial movement or immigration reform, like whatever the thing is, you're out there. And I'm just wondering if you could shed some light on that, because It's interesting to hear that it started around 9-11 and then ever since then you've been like, this is important and it's not just about pretty t-shirts.
0: Right, right. Yeah, I mean, I think that for me, you know, I thought I'd go into fashion and I would definitely have a give back piece of it. You know, I'm like the 90s and like... Ralph Lauren and, you know, breast cancer, like I always, that was like an iconic, I remember those in the ads, right? Like I knew I would do stuff and my, my grandma had breast cancer and so I would get involved. But I think that to me, like you just said, I'm an impact brand and I bring communities together to share stories on nonprofits and organizations and people of all different backgrounds that you might not have known if you bought that shirt at Burgers. Like, you know, you might not know about Youth Over Guns. You might not know about Immigrants or Us. Like, And you might think it's a cute item, but once you go to the website, you learn about those things. So in the beginning, it was clearly reactive to what had happened to New York, to our world. And obviously everybody wanted to give back to the American Red Cross or any organization to help families at that time and continue to. And so that's where I, like I started to see over time there was anti-bullying issues before we had social media. It was like YouTube and forums. And that's why I got involved in the National School of Climate Center anti-bullying program and have worked with them ever since. Um, uh, Young Survival Coalition for Breast Cancer was because my grandma had breast cancer, I had met this woman who had a sister who had breast cancer when she was young. And I was like, I really wanted to speak to the youth. Like I was young when I started, I was 24 when I started the brand. And I continually wanted to make sure I was speaking to like the youth culture on impact and bringing people and voices together. And that's what I continue to do. And I I continue to do today. And it's something that I love so much because I learn every day right? I don't know. I didn't know about like all these things in Lebanon. And this artist came to me for to do a collaboration for Beirut for Impact Lebanon. And I had to learn more about what was going on there and why and through this artist's voice. And that was during COVID. She came to me and we did this amazing collaboration with her artwork, which is beautiful. But like People would then see that on our feed and say, thank you so much. When I come to your feed, I learn about these organizations or these artists that I wouldn't even know about. And that's when I'm like, "Okay, like this is great. Like I'm resonating with at least some people. Right. And I think over time that gets to more people and more people. And recently I I just launched a Roblox, Roblox collaboration. And these like gamers were freaking out. (laughs) They're like, oh my God. And, and, and hate, stop bullying. We need this on here. And I was like, oh my God. And they're like dressing their avatars (laughs) with like boy meets girl and like posting it all over Twitter, like how so excited they are to have this brand in Roblox. And I was like, oh my God, like, you know, so it's like, and, and I think you go, we go back to like Norma, what you mentioned, it's like it's something that like, it's, I, I love what I do every day. And it's like, I'm so like, I'm going to cry because I'm getting my period, but <laughs> yeah. I'm totally, I'm totally good. But like, it's like, I can, wherever I am now, it's like home caucus. I used to have the showroom for 18 years in, in uh, downtown in the garment center, but now it's all, everything's changed with COVID, but it's all good. But like, wherever we are, like, I still, love it. Like, I love what I do. Like, and so, and that I, like, I, lo- you know, I learned about, and I talk about him a lot in a lot of my interviews because I just am so fascinated by him. But Luis Hernandez started um, Youth Over Guns and his brother was wrongly um, tried and, and was sent to Rikers Island for a year. And he was 14 when it happened. And I met him on a youth in power voting um, campaign I did with with him and a few other activists. And he started Youth Over Guns because he was the only boy in his family that had gone to private school. So he had these connections to top leaders to help get his brother out of Rikers Island. Like, I, I will never be in that position, right? And he was, his brother, you know, was like, wrongly put into this awful jail cell for a year and this boy started youth over guns at 14 and I get to work with him and like advocate for him all the work he's doing a gathering for justice and youth over guns but this is like someone who is on the ground floor like every single day and it's exhausting you know but I think you mentioned something like I've been doing this and the, the things that I've been doing led me to these great people who are really on the ground floor. Like I'm doing it and I'm grateful for my collaborations and the money I can give back, but I'm not on the ground floor every day, you know?
1: So I want to I wanna ask about the money issue of the giving back yeah. because what would you say to like a small business owner who's like starting wants to have an impact but feels like well, – <laughs> What am I going to be able to give, like, $100 because I'm so small? Like, why even bother? Do they even want me to collaborate? What do you have to say to somebody with that type of questioning?
0: I think that, like, as we, we're seeing now, everyone's adding a piece of it to their business. And whether it's 100 today and then it grows to be 1000 next year, like, I think if they set a goal, like, 10% or 50, 50% of the net profit, making sure they cover their costs and margins and marketing. But, you know, at least there's a little bit that they can give. And if they say as a brand, I'm new and this year we're going to give $500. Like that's what we can do as a new brand. But then they're set their goal for next year to be a thousand. I mean, that's pretty much what I've done, you know, over the course of my, you know, existence or like 20 years, we've, we've donated half a million dollars or more, but, that's over time.
1: I love that. And I think that pacing part of it is so important. It's like, you don't have to give eight bazillion dollars when you're a brand new company, like you can give a little and then give a little more. And then, and every little bit counts and the awareness piece is
0: huge. And that's, you can't put a price tag on that. So I think, I think, and also have to choose, like when you're giving back and this is where it gets like, you know, we talk about all these different organizations that I work with, but It has to mean something to, like, the founder and the organization to understand why you are even joining forces. So what I say to, like, young entrepreneurs picking where they want to give back is make sure it's, like, authentic, like we talked about, right? Like, this is not, like, I didn't choose to become, you know buy a brand, you know, buy an item and give back item. Like it wasn't like, oh, here's my business model. And that's how I'm going to like start my business. Right. So, but I think that you can implement a cause that really means something to you. And I think we all have things that affect us and we want to make change.
1: I totally agree. I mean, I think that all of our personal experiences are what dictate and affect the causes that mean the most to us individually. And Spreading the world about those causes, that's the point, right? It's getting people more aware and authentically aware to circle back to Jamie's word because it's if it's authentic to you, that's how it's going to feel probably in the messaging. So right.
0: um and today's like Gen Y, Gen Z, Alpha something, whatever it's called any it no, but it's an alpha. A? Um like sees through that like they are really aware. like they search they look they know like that's where I I go back to like these Roblox gamers it's like oh they went to my website and they were like this oh she's been doing this this is like amazing right but if you are just sort of doing it to do it they know that too I love that just like kids kids can see
1: through everything. So <laughs> let's, everything. let's let's talk kids for a second because you're a successful business owner and mom. I mean, and that's not that's not an easy thing to do. All of us know this. So like what's your secret to finding success on your own pace, on your own terms as a mom and business owner, not just as a business owner, mom and business owner?
0: Well, I think that for me, um, I had, I had Dylan later in life, like not so late, but I think that like I had gotten to a place in my business, it was still growing a lot when, when he was born. I mean, a lot, the traveling a lot when in the first few years of his birth, but like he, he is very much, um, like makes me whole. Right. And it took me two years to have him. So again, that persistence and belief, like, I don't know how many bracelets my mom would like give me that had like herbs on them, (laughs) like rocks and stuff. I thought you were going to say like mantras. (laughs) I don't know. There was like lots of stuff hanging. I remember I'm like, okay. Um, yeah. So like, even through that, like, you know, I going to like, get a shot every morning and the, this and the, that, like, you know, every single time. And then heading to the office with like wet hair. And like, I remember just like, I'm sure my employees were like, what's going on with her? Cause I never talked about it. Um, but like going through that journey was like, when he arrived, it was like this amazing angel. Right. And so I've always made sure that you know, pre-COVID that if there was a event or a drop-off or something like I was always or a school in person thing like I would be there and then run to the office like or go to that event and but I've made sure like my weekends were very much us and I was not on my phone and I wasn't working all the time what happened in COVID was very much like bringing me back to when I was with my mom like when she started her business in our house and like was taping um, the UPS boxes and meeting the UPS driver had like a hand thing that he had to do like and like doing it all there right in our home and so he was watching me like working and then I was homeschooling him and there was this really special bond of understanding oh mommy now I like he was getting older he was five six seven but like I see what she does. And this is really cool. And I can be part of it. And so I don't know if I'm answering your question. But just like the our relationship is really um, special, where he's like, excited about what I do, and appreciates like, my presence as well and wants me now wants me even more because I you know, of COVID, but gets that there's this you know, mom's doing X, Y, and Z, and she is here. And I am like, even now more, like I can do more pickups and I can, you know, I I made my schedule very different than it was the past 18 years (laughs) in the past two years. Um, But yeah, so I don't know if I'm answering that right, but. Definitely, no,
1: there's no wrong answer. I did wanna though, really quick, going off script, pick up on something you said again, because I've heard you say it now three times and it's actually something (laughs) I wanted to key into you keep talking about like the nose, like how do you deal with the nose? How do you deal with the disappointments? How do you like the two-year fertility journal, journal, not journal, journey, I'm and I'm the, <laughs> you know, all the nose at the beginning of a business. Um, You know, it's interesting because I came into this, Business like very differently because I was a child actor and it's drilled into you as, a, as an actor. Like no is what you get. Like no is the answer. Like, yes, is like a happy surprise. Oh my gosh. So like you expect the no's So what yeah. do you, so I think for an actor, it's no's are very different. <laughs> so yeah, what yeah. do you, what advice do you give to people at the beginning of their businesses when they just keep getting nos? Like how do they, somebody actually reached out to me like this week being like, how did you do it? Like, how did you get through those
0: initial no's? Yeah, I, you know, I think that failure is like really important. So, because when you get those no's, you push even harder, right? And, and I'm sure that was the case with you as a child actor, which I can't <laughs> wait to see what you were in. <laughs> I did not know that. <laughs> oh my God, I'm so excited. Um, but, so I, I was talking to this, this president the other day and he was mentioning like the dates might not work for my book launch or something, or which I will announce with you guys later. But, um, and I was like, well then we'll do it the Monday. Like, you know, I, I just sort of was like, it doesn't, it doesn't have to be that those two days you know, and he's like, okay, oh, well, then, then, you know, like, cause it, there's a team behind something and, and they have to look at their calendar and, you know, it's coming from the, this guy to the, the team and maybe they won't understand that. But I'm like, so then just change the date. Like, you know, and maybe that's taken 20 years to be relaxed on that. Flexible, very flexible. Yeah. Like more flexible. But I think that like, I would sit in a trade show. So it's similar to being an actress where like, you're presenting your, your clothing to these buyers who are walking by a 10 by 10 booth. Like you're a dog <laughs> and like selling your stuff, but like <laughs> smiling and like you can lick them to come in or give them lollipops, right? Like, it's literally what I did a hundred of these changes across the country. And like, I'd have big buyers come in from major department stores who said no, to my face like you know and then there's the ones that said yes and like and you'd have to still be and sometimes you'd have like from that first trade show in 2001 where it was like the most happening booth i've ever had like the burgers and the japanese buyers it was like a everyone was coming to new york then and then to these you know 10 years later some trade shows where it was like no one walking by right and you still have to summon like up your belief in what you're doing and keep moving. It's all about that houndstooth skirt. Yeah. Like like the houndstooth that I still have. You'd actually really like it. And I think houndstooth is in again. Um, So, yeah, it's just, it's hard to keep moving, you know? And, but I do think that like you, you set up goals for yourself. And I, and I say this also in the book, it's like, you can't have a hundred, like we just talked about, like there should be, here's my five goals I want for six months of my of this business. And then maybe only two pan out, but then how do you take those two to make a profitable business, right? And then you have to go find the other three and four or five. And so that's sort of, that's how I've done it.
2: Celebrating the wins of the two yeses instead of focusing on the three no's, because that's what most people do. You know, it's like you said, oh, but when you hear a no, like that just makes you keep going harder. And I think for a lot of people, it doesn't. It makes them crumble and fold and give up. Negativity
1: bias, right?
0: Right. So I think that's a really good piece of advice you gave. I think artists tend to really want to hide in a hole when these things happen and entrepreneurs. Because it's personal, and,
1: it feels yeah. personal. I mean, it's not personal; it
0: feels personal. Yeah, I mean, it probably feels more personal when you're an actor or a musician, because I was like behind a cloth, like a piece of clothing. But you created
1: a- the clothing, just like an That's actor right. creates the part. It's you're still right. you're
0: still selling something. That's a good um, note to say because sometimes the creation becomes a new creation for the buying team, just like an, a musician puts on a new look for the industry. Right? Yeah. So we all sort of, some of us have to morph into what the consumer wants. But what I tried to do is always break the barrier, be the person ahead of time, the disruptor, and, and keep going with that. And, and there'll be months or years in business where that wasn't on my side.
2: Yeah. Well Stacey, so, so you're amazing. Um I we always end this show with one segment, which I guess I have to sing today, yes, honey. Yes you do. You it's called It is called <laughs> Karma Call. <laughs> <laughs> wow, guys, what <laughs> All right,
1: so I'm really happy that Jamie did that. But since I'm the resident yogi, I will explain that karma is the Sanskrit word for action. So we ask all of our amazing, inspiring guests, that would be you, (laughs) what is one small, actionable item that our listeners could try out for like a short period of time, a week or two, say, that would yield a large result? So small action, large results.
0: So why did singing come
1: in?
2: Um, It's just exciting.
0: Megan always sings it
2: for us, and we just, because it's fun. Because singing's fun, man.
0: I love singing. I'm going singing on Friday night after a colonoscopy. Oh my gosh. What a great way to reward yourself. Are you going to a karaoke place? Yes, it's my friend's karaoke. In Koreatown? And where is it? In Koreatown, or which one? We're going, I don't, she, I don't know if she decided the place yet. I think it's on 26th street, but she was like, I had a colonoscopy and I went to dinner and then I, like, you can do it. I was like, okay. So now I'm like, she's, she did it. So I'm like, all right, I guess I'll be there. That's awesome. <laughs> it's, in, it's like a 6am colonoscopy. So I think I'll be okay. I hope. Um, I've had but... clients
1: do yoga with me like right after. And I'm like, really? Are you in like a twilight sleep? Do you really want me coming over? And they're okay. So that that makes. (laughs) So it's
0: small action. What? (laughs) Sorry. Oh, small action, large result for karma call. Small action, large result. Like it can be something
1: as banal as like drink water every day, you know, or it can be something unique and authentic
0: to you. Small action, I think, is um, taking a walk in the park. Hmm.
2: Yes. Yes. That, that is nice. literally the definition of karma call. A small yeah. thing that you could probably change your entire life and perspective. Thank you for that, Stacey. Stacy, we adore you. Thank you for being here today. I want everybody to go out and get your book. So can you tell us where they can find it, where they can find you on the interwebs and your Instagram handle?
0: Yes. Um, all book information is on www.stacy, com, also on boy Meets girl com. My handles are all Eagle, Stacy Eagle, S T A C Y I G E L, on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. TikTok is the real Stacy Eagle, because I think I was setting up TikTok. Ooh, and it fancy. To, yeah. The real okay, Um, gosh, where else am I? I'm on Roblox. Uh- oh, well, there you go. The, my son will find you there and we are yes. glad that we had you here. Thank you for joining <laughs>
2: us and thank you everybody at home for joining us. We want you to subscribe to this podcast so you never miss an episode. And don't forget to follow us on the gram and off the gram podcast. We'll see you next time.
0: Thank you guys.